0: You are listening to Epic Church San Francisco's podcast. We are continuing our Connected series this morning. And to get started, what I want to do is ask just a few questions. How do we live the life that God intends for us to live? How do you and I live up to our God-given potential? What's the secret? Well, a couple of things I want to say this morning. First of all, it's this. You and I were created to be someone. We were also created to do something. It's amazing how these two are inextricably linked to one another, and I hope that this morning's talk will provide great clarity for you and I as we talk about who we were made to be and what we were made to do. We've been saying in this Connected series that all of us are connected to things that add life to us. We're also probably connected to things that drain life from us. As we get into the message this morning, I I really believe that this could be uh, the greatest talk of this entire series, and here's why. If you and I get the big idea behind this morning's message, I think we'll understand what, what it looks like to really live the life that God's taught us to live. And here's the big idea behind this morning's talk. If you and I want to live fruitful lives, we're going to have to stay connected to the vine. We're out here at a vineyard and I thought, what better way to share with you a, a story that takes place, uh, that Jesus tells. It, it takes place in a vineyard. And so we thought, let, let's do something different. Let's do something fun. And so the film crew and I, we are here standing in front of a vineyard, the, uh, the vines are dormant this time of year, uh, but, but I thought it'd be a great setting for you and I to understand uh, this beautiful uh, story that Jesus tells to give us insight about what it means to be connected to him, how you and I live lives that are connected to him, and how this really is the secret behind us living out our God-given potential for our lives. And so the story, or, or rather the, the teaching that Jesus gives is in John chapter 15, If you need a Bible this morning to be able to follow along in John 15, just raise your hand. We've got great volunteers who will uh, hand a Bible to you now. So just keep your hand up. It's John chapter 15. Uh, John is the fourth book in the New Testament. It's the last of the four Gospels. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Keep your hands up so that you can receive a gift Bible this morning. Uh, When you get one of those Bibles, you will find John chapter 15 on page 586. Page five hundred. 86 you'll find John chapter 15 we're going to read verses 1 through 11 and so would you stand with me as we read this together John chapter 15 starting in verse 1 here's what Jesus said I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you a depiction Jesus gives on how you and I are to stay connected to him. He really uh, gives us a setting, again, of a vineyard, and he compares himself, Jesus, compares himself as the vine. Uh, He compares God the Father as the vine dresser or the proprietor of the vineyard. And then he compares us as the branches that you would find in the vineyard. One of the striking things about this particular passage is that in these 11 verses, Jesus uses the word abide 10 times. Now now when we see anything in the scriptures, especially more than once, we need to pay special attention to it. Uh, Why is it there? Why is it uh, repetitive? Why does it continue to show up? Why in this situation does the verb abide show up ten times in these eleven verses? Why does Jesus use it? What's the point that he's trying to make it? Well, to understand this, we first need to know what does it mean to abide? Here's a simple definition for abide. It means to dwell to remain or to be close to. And so Jesus is telling us as the branches, he's saying the branches need to abide in or be connected to or to remain connected with the vine. Jesus refers to himself as the vine and so what he's saying here is that if you and I are going to live fruitful lives, we're going to have to stay connected to the vine. In other words, if we're going to live fruitful lives, Jesus says you need to be connected to me. He uses this word abide or remain or dwell 10 times. He's He's saying something significant to us here. It's basically this, that if we're going to live up to our God-given potential, if we're going to have the kind of lives that are fruitful, and they're going to be the lives that do what God intended for them to do, then the secret to all of that is that we stay connected to the vine, or rather, stay connected to Jesus. How do we abide in Jesus? If that's the key to our lives, being fruitful, how do you abide in Jesus? Well, I want to give you a few ways. The first one is this, and all of these come from the text. The first one is this, we need to get his words into our hearts and into our minds. We need to get his words into our hearts and into our minds. In verse seven, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He's, he's saying one of the ways that we abide in Jesus is by dwelling on his word. Now his word certainly means the teachings that he gives us in the gospels. His, his word also refers, I believe, to the entire uh, books in the Bible, the, the scriptures, he, he's, he's letting us know that this is how you abide in me by, by, by not just reading the Bible, but by soaking up what the Bible has to say and what Jesus taught, by, by meditating on the different scripture passages that we have in our Bible, by, by looking at and memorizing what it is that God's word says to us. Now, we don't just want to read it, and we don't just want to hear it taught on Sundays. One of the things that I want to encourage you, really beginning this morning, if you've never done this, is when it comes to the Bible and and your familiarity with the Bible, I want you to become a self-feeder. It's great that you come here on Sundays and hear teachings like this, or even if you attend a small group where the scriptures taught and discussed, but you and I have got to be feeding ourselves God's word daily. If, If not daily, we should shoot for at least five times a week. Imagine with me if you and I only ate uh, meals one day a week. Well, that would be a terrible life to live. The the same is true when it comes to God's word. We need to feed ourselves from God's word and hear the words of Jesus especially, and that's one way that we abide in him. In order to do that, you should start a Bible reading plan. Maybe you you wanna make a small commitment just to read through the Gospel of John. I think that's a great place to start. Read through the, the Gospel of John. It'll take you about three weeks, even if you're doing one chapter per day. If you want to bite off a little bit more, read through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See the different ways these writers, these authors depicted what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying. And it will give you a great framework to understand the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Maybe you would go a step further and you want to read the entire New Testament. That would be great. Start at Matthew. You'll end at Revelation. It'll take you no more than three or four months, even if you're not reading too much if you wanna really go for it, why don't you read the entire Bible this year? It's early enough in 2012 for you to start and really reading through the Bibles. Maybe you could get a great Bible reading plan. You can find those online. You can also talk to us on the staff about some great access to those Bible reading plans. But the first thing you need to do if you're going to stay connected to Jesus so that you can live a fruitful life, you need to have some plan by which his word gets into your heart and into your mind. And so let me encourage you to do that first. The second thing you need to do is to live in the daily reality of the love Jesus has for us. Jesus says in verse 9, He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That's a present reality. But then He says, Abide in my love. It's not enough for you and I to know that Jesus loves us and that to be a passing thought. We must abide in that love. We must remember every day whether we've had our best day, meaning we've done things that are great for other people, we've had hearts that are pure we've performed really well when it comes to our Christian duties, or if we've blown it that day, if we haven't measured up, if we have sinned, if we've made mistakes, if we've hurt people, the reality of Jesus' love for us is consistent. It doesn't uh, doesn't come in proportion to our performance or to how well we get this thing down that God's calling us to live out. His love for us is a a daily thing. It exists for us. I want to again remind you of Romans 5.8, which says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ loved us. Before we got it right, before we cleaned ourselves up, Jesus was, was, was loving us and he does love us. And so know this morning that if you want to live a fruitful life, you've got to remember, you've got to abide in the reality that Jesus will never love you more than he loved you this morning and he could never love you less than he loved you this morning. That's something for us to hold on to. Another great way to abide in Jesus or stay connected to the vine, as he tells us, is to believe that you can only reach your full potential when you stay connected to Jesus. Verse 4, it says that we can't bear fruit unless we abide. Meaning, no matter how much we want to bear fruit, we, we can't do that unless we abide. These, these vines, they, they can want to produce a grape, or the branches of the vines, they can want to produce a grape, all that they want. That, that's great. That could be their strongest desire But if the branch isn't connected to the vine, then there's no way they're going to be able to produce grapes. The same way, I'm assuming this morning that you're here because you want to live a fruitful life. You want to live the life that God intended you to live. You, just like me, we want to reach our God-given potential. It doesn't matter how bad we want to do that. We cannot do that unless we're connected to Jesus. In fact, in verse 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't think he literally meant absolutely nothing, but I, but I do think he meant that we can't do anything of fruitful significance. In fact, that's, that's what he's getting after when he says, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. So those are a few things that I want to say. Here's how we abide. We get God's word into our hearts, not just by reading it or hearing it occasionally, but meditating on it, reading it daily, soaking it in, memorizing his word. That's one way. Second way I mentioned was that we abide in the love Jesus has for us. Regardless of how well we've gotten things right this week or this month or even this year, his love for us is constant. He'll never love us less, he'll never love us more. And then thirdly, again, remember that we can only reach our full potential when we stay connected. And so you need to find ways. You need to create prayer habits in your life. You need to create ways in which you're journaling about who God is. You're gonna, you are need to listen to, uh, to music at times that, that helps you reflect on who Jesus is and, and what he's about. We need to have people in our life who are giving us more of Jesus, right? It's great that we have friends, but God wants us to have the kind of friends at times that are able to speak wisdom into our life, who are people on the same path that we're on in life, and so those are some great ways that you and I abide in Christ. Well, what are the results? What happens when we abide in Jesus? What, what do we get out of that? What, is, what are the outcomes when we, when we abide in Jesus? As you know, sitting here in the vineyard, when everything in this process goes right, when... Uh, the, the, the vine's cared for like it's supposed to, and the weather's right, and the branches stay connected. That's the best way for it to produce the outcome. What's interesting is that, is, is that those people that take care of this vineyard, they're not focusing on the grape. What they're focusing on includes what is the process that's going to give us the best grape? What is the process we can adhere to that's going to make sure we get the results we want? And we want the same thing. We we, we can focus on the results of having a fruitful life, but we need to live out the process first. Once we do that, here are some results that we'll see by staying connected to the vine. The first one is this, we will bear fruit. Again, verse four says, if you stay connected, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. We don't have to wonder if I stay connected, will my life be fruitful? No, Jesus has given us a promise. Stay connected to me and you will live a fruitful life. And, And so he tells us that. Second thing we can do is we can ask whatever we wish. He says if we abide in him and his words that we mentioned before abide in us, ask whatever you wish in my name and you will receive that. Now one thing to remember is that when we are connected to Jesus, when we abide in Jesus, our desires are going to change. So the things you may desire the most right now, uh, those things could be different. And so the request we would make of Jesus could be different when we're actually abiding in him. So we bear fruit, we can ask whatever we wish of Him. Verse 8, though, tells us that God is glorified when our lives bear fruit. Anytime our life does what it was intended to do, God receives much glory. And here's why God created us for Himself. There are things He wants our life to reflect of His nature, of His goodness, of His character, of His joy, of His peace, of His love, on and on and on and on. And God gets a lot of credit, or God gets his desired outcome when you and I live lives that reflect what our lives were intended to do all along. That's when our lives are in harmony most with God. That's when our fellowship with God is complete, but God gets glorified, and our lives were created to bring God glory, simply meaning that part of the reason God created us is to show how good he is. The scriptures are really clear that out of anything God has ever created, that only human beings were created in the image of God. It means we have an incredible opportunity to reflect his goodness to the world around us and that's what our lives were intended to do. And then lastly, the text tells us that when we bear much fruit, that our lives will be full and that our lives will be full not just full in an abundant way, but that our lives will also be full of joy. The text tells us that, that, that Jesus' joy will become in us and that that joy will be full. And so his joy comes to us And his joy isn't lacking in any way. It's not that we need to be connected to Jesus and have all of these other things that we have going well for us in our lives. He's promised us that regardless of our outward circumstances, regardless of what we're facing, regardless of the trials that we're going through, he doesn't promise us happiness. Remember, happiness is based on happenstance or our current circumstances. Happiness comes, happiness goes. We all know that. But what he does want to give us is a joy that remains, a joy that abides. And he's, he's promised to give us his joy, and he's promised that it will be a joy that is full. Why do we always see independence as such a positive trait? And, and I don't just mean for, for most of the world, but for me, I, I, sometimes I think that if I get to a place where I can accomplish everything on my own, that will be a big win for me. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I think independence is a crucial thing for certain stages of life. In fact, I have three boys who are four, six, and eight, and I'm already talking to them about, hey, when you turn 18 or when you start college, you, you, you're going to, at that point, need to be ready for some independence in your life. In, in fact, I've got to tell my six-year-old quite often, hey, Sam, you are going to leave the house when you get to college because he just wants to stay at home, and, that, and that's fine for now. But we, we, we love to think of independence as a positive trait, and, and the reality is that God hasn't created us for independence. God has not set us alone on an island and said, hey, this is, you need to live life by yourself and for yourself. God has called us uh, to, p- to be dependent upon him. And, you know, one of the things that we think is a sign of strength really is a sign of weakness. We, we think that if we're independent, then, then, then really that's life at its finest. And we finally are arriving at it, the kind of maturity or we're accomplishing the kind of independence that we need to be accomplishing. And yet with Jesus, we never get to a place where independence is the best path. In fact, the more we discover Jesus and who he is and the more we stay connected to the vine, the greater we realize that we need to be dependent upon him. We will never advance to a place. I mean, can, can you imagine out here in the vineyard that, that a branch, uh, okay, thinks it's been, a long, it's been around long enough so that it, it doesn't need the, the the vine anymore? That would be crazy. And the same thing is true for those of us who are seeking to be connected to Jesus. We never stay connected just long enough so that we get to a certain place in our faith and now we're ready to, to, to fly solo, the more we understand who Jesus is, the more we understand the rewards personally and for the rest of the people in our lives as we stay connected to him, the more we're going to want to be dependent upon who he is. You know, we all agree that technology is at a place that it's never been in the history of the world. That technology can do things for us, even being able to shoot this during this week and show it to you this morning. It's, it's great that we can do so much with technology, but do you know what's crazy about the video camera that's shooting this right now? And, and the same thing true with your smartphone, and the same thing true with, with our computers. Regardless of the advancement technology has made, one thing that's true for all of us is that we can only stay unplugged or disconnected from the power sources of these technology pieces for so long. I, I don't know if you're like me, but every single night when I go to bed, I've gotta plug my phone in, otherwise I'm not going to have any battery life for the next day. And what's incredible is that we understand that concept when it comes to technology. There's no way that we plug our phones in, at least most of you, I'm guessing, no way we plug our phones in once a week and feel like that's enough. The same thing is true when it comes to Jesus. If we've gotta do it with technology and that makes sense to us, let it begin to make sense to us as Christians and those of us who want to grow in our faith and those of us who want to live fruitful lives. It should make sense to us that we need to connect into or or, or sync up with Jesus on a regular daily basis. And here's what's awesome is that, again, Jesus is not waiting for us to live perfect lives before we can connect to him. He's not asking us to clean ourselves up, but he's made it available for us to be connected to him in such a way that he's invited us into it. He's let us know what the keys are. Remember, uh, how do we abide? Uh, We get his word into our hearts. We live in the daily reality of his love for us and we stay connected to him what will we see as a result of that? We will bear much fruit. We'll be able to pray for whatever we desire, but of course, remember, our desires will change. God will be glorified because when our lives live out in the way he intended us to live those lives, he's going to receive glory because that's the script that he's written for us. And not only that, but the last thing we said on that is that the joy will be transferred from Jesus to us and he promises us it's not a joy that's incomplete but it's a joy that's full, it's a joy that's abundant. The last thing I wanna say this morning on this video is that Jesus has allowed us access to everything we could possibly need. Everything we would ever and could ever and do ever long for, we find answered in this connection to him. It's amazing that he offers us all of that and yet we look everywhere else for our identity, for our purpose, for our approval, for our fulfillment. And yet, everything, for those of us that are Christians, and this is true for those of you that would consider giving your life to Christ this morning, everything we could ever want, our identity, our approval, our acceptance, our significance, our fulfillment, can be found in being connected to Jesus. Do you want to live a fruitful life? Me too. And if we're going to want to live fruitful lives, if we really want to live up to our god given potential, it's not found in independence. It's not found in us trying to work harder. It's found in the secret connection that Jesus promised if we'll stay connected to him, we will live fruitful lives. My hope for you is that you'll take this message seriously, that you'll want to live the kind of life that stays connected to the vine, that, that you'll want to be plugged in, that you want to get his word into you, that you'll want to remember his love for you, that you'll see him being glorified in your life and that your joy will be full. Now that's what I want for you as an individual and the same thing is true, but on a greater scale collectively for us as a church, if we're going to be a church that sees fruitful ministry in the future, if we're going to see God answer the vision that we believe and make the vision we believe he's given us a reality in the days and the years to come, then what's going to have to happen is that a large percentage, if not all of us, are going to have to stay plugged into who Jesus is. Not so that we get results, but because that's the, the life we were created to live. The someone that we were created to be is someone who is connected to him. The somewhat of what we were created to do is to be people who live fruitful lives. Those are not two separate things. They're one and the same. They're linked together. We become who he wants us to be when we're connected. And we do the things that he created us to do when we stay connected. My prayer is that because of what begins this morning is a journey for you and for us as a church collectively is that we will begin living fruitful lives in ways we never could have imagined before. It is true that you and I were created to live fruitful lives. It is also true that every single person sitting in the room this morning has enormous God-given potential inside of you. Both of those things are true, and yet there's something greater than that I think we've got to cover before we even get into all of that, and that's this, before God created us for great potential, before God created us to live fruitful lives, God created us, namely, for himself. And here's what I mean by that. God created, he knit us together, the psalmist says, in our mother's womb, which is crazy enough, we don't have any video or picture for that, thankfully, um, but he knit us together in our mother's womb. The reason he created us was to know and love and to worship him, to belong to him, that we might become a people for his own. Not out of selfishness, not because he wanted to control us, but because that is what he created us for. That we might love and know and respond and worship to him. But the reality also for every single person in this room, though we have God-given potential, though he created us for himself, every single one of us have walked out on that intention. Every single one of us have gone our own way. If you don't think so, let's have a little interview and I can show you yours and you can show me mine. Because all of us have walked away from what God intended and from what God wanted from us. But here's what it says in Romans 5.8. It says that God shows his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then while you and I were still actively sinning against God, in that moment, Jesus comes in. This is big news, and here's why. If, if, you, uh, if you change your, like you hurt me, but then you change your mind, I'm going to be pretty accepting of you, hopefully. All right? I mean, punch you in the gut a couple times. But other than that, we're going to be back on the same page. That's not what God does. He doesn't respond um, to, to us in love when we're being lovely and when we're doing lovely things. The Bible says again that God shows us his love for us in this. God shows you his love for you in this while you are actively sinning against him. That's when he in his wisdom and in his sovereignty sends Jesus and in his love and mercy and kindness he sends Jesus and here's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't die on the cross so that we kind of feel good that someone's done something symbolic for us. He dies on the cross in our stead, in our place, meaning this, that Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, everybody understands the concept of wages, right? I mean, we all wish we had a few more wages, true? Um, but he says, the thing that you earn, the thing that you deserve, the thing that, that you've accomplished, the outcome of what you, your actions have done, you have earned spiritual death. But what's amazing to me is that though we've earned that with our sin, we've sinned against God, we've gone away from his ways, God, God doesn't want to give us the spiritual death that we deserve. Again, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've not deserved the gift, right? You've not earned this gift I've not earned this gift so when Jesus is going to the cross it's not sentimental it's not that we wear a cross around our neck to 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 identify with that Though that's a great and fine thing to do it's that he's going to the cross because someone's got to pay the penalty we have sinned God demands payment for sin or his wrath must be endured for that sin and it's not that Jesus does something so we get emotional and clap it's that Jesus does something so that we don't have to This is, if you've heard it for the first time or maybe the 1,000th time this morning, this is what the reality of Christianity is all about. This is the good news, this is the gospel of Jesus that God, though we are sinning against him, he sends Jesus, though we deserve death, he invites us into life. And that life can begin for you this morning. It's not an afterlife only sort of thing. It's a life that he wants to infuse inside your soul, your heart, your spirit this morning. And here's the reality. Here's some things that we just need to be honest. You can, there's no magic words to the prayer, but there's a sense in which we need to make some acknowledgements. And, and, and the first one is that we need to go, okay, God, you, you created me for yourself. God, I have sinned against you. My sin and the sin of the other billions and billions of people that have lived on the planet put Jesus on the cross. Yep, even if you're a pretty good boy or girl, you've sinned, those sins were enough to put Jesus on the cross. So we've put him on the cross. But by him going to the cross, it allows God to to give Jesus the punishment that's due us and to give us the righteousness and the eternal life and the beautiful relationship with nothing between us with God that Jesus deserves. Now I think every one of us in this room, uh, unless we're unwilling to even believe that much about God, I think every one of us in this room wants the love of God, right? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand because then I'd make fun of you if you didn't raise your hand on that moment. I, I hope at least that every one of us wants the love of God. I hope that every one of us wants our sins forgiven. I hope that every one of us wants to experience God's grace where he pours things into our life that we don't deserve. I think that's true for many of us, if not all of us this morning, but here's the problem for most of us in this room if we're being kept from this commitment. It's one word, it's the word surrender, right? Right? God, bring the love, bring the joy, bring the forgiveness, bring the peace. But I can't really turn this thing over to you completely. And until you and I, no matter how old we are, no matter how many church services we've sat in, no matter how irreligious or religious we consider ourselves in the room this morning, until you and I get to that point, we really don't want the life God has for us. Until we believe that he created us, until we believe actively that the way he has scripted our lives is the best way to live, then we really don't want in on it. And I just want to challenge you this morning that if God is good, if he's a better story writer than you, and I'm sure there's some great novelists out here, but if he's a better story writer than you are, let's remind ourselves again, why wouldn't we submit to a God who is loving and all-knowing and gracious and patient and kind and merciful and filled with grace and compassionate and slow to anger? Let's remind ourselves again, why would we not surrender to a God like that? Do you guys pray with me this morning? I really pray for two things and then I'm going to have Brad just sing a song over us as a congregation this morning called Surrender Oddly enough if you have never connected to Jesus so you've heard this this morning you're like man that sounds interesting intriguing even fruitful life that's probably good what is my God given potential I don't know if it's there but I would want to maximize it if that's you this morning but you've never connected to God through Jesus I, would just want you, I just want to lead you through a prayer. Again, nothing magical about it, but you say it silently in your heart. Something like this, and it's simply something to this accord. It's, God, you created me for yourself, to know you, to love you, to worship you. God, I've chosen to love and live for other things. That's true of all of us in the room. I've chosen to love and live for other things. And yet, God, in my sin, you still send Jesus to die on my behalf. I place my faith in Jesus this morning as, as your substitute for my sin, as a way you paid for me to be reconciled to you, God. I place my faith in Jesus. And then as a final step, some of us it's hard to muster these words, but it's just two words. I surrender. Surrender my dreams, my rights, what I think is correct, how I do relationships, how I live out integrity in the way I work. God, I surrender. I I want to, not perfectly, I don't think that'll happen, but God, I want to follow your ways. So God, I'm giving you my life because of what you've given me in Jesus. And if you've played that prayer, I'd love for you to indicate that just by checking that, giving my life to Christ box on the front of the communication card. And then open open your eyes. The rest of us, I wanna speak to, to you guys. If you are a Christian this morning, You know, it's amazing to me, for me, I'll just confess myself, I'm sure you guys have this thing down with the connection to the vine, but for me, I have all these dreams and all these things I want to accomplish, and sometimes I let my quest for those dreams and visions stop me from spending time with God. And I think I don't have time for that connection because I've gotta go pursue what I'm saying is my God-given potential. Isn't that crazy? But we all do it, or maybe just me. But Jesus has made us a simple promise. We are smart people. I mean, you guys are smart people, most of you in here this morning, maybe not we. And so we try to make this whole Christianity thing pretty complex, but Jesus has not made it easy, but he's made it pretty simple. It's this, stay connected to me and the other things will happen automatically. Right? I think about the results all the time. And he's going, no, just adhere to the process. Stay connected to me, get my word in you, get friends around you that say, here's what God wants for you and yet we run to all kinds of other things. Let's be clear in our hearts this week about what's really urgent. I get confused all the time in my life about what's really urgent. I give a time and attention and immediate response to things that I think are urgent. In reality, I neglect the thing that's promised me the most good for myself. I just wanna encourage us as a church as we move forward, what what would it look like? There's a lot of people in this room. And I know some of you will never make it because of your sleep patterns, but we have a 9.30 service too, all right? God's doing some pretty significant things in our church right now. What if a high percentage of us, or maybe even all of us, I think the invitation's for all, what if we began to connect to Jesus in ways that automatically we know are going to lead to fruitful lives, fruitful ministry, impact in our city and impact in our world. Let's remind ourselves again, what about that will we not want? It's not easier we'd all be doing it right now, right? Can we, can we just admit that together? Like if this thing was easy or, and it was automatic, no point for the message this morning, no point for me to try to encourage you or you encourage me, but, but it's worth it, I think. And so if this is a new thing for you, I'd love to visit with you this week. Our staff would, our leaders would. We want to be a community of faith pursuing what God has for us. And it starts right here, staying connected to the vine. So I'm gonna ask Brad to sing over us. You guys feel free to sing along as you sit. Feel free to pray. Um, Feel free to mark anything down, even if it's not an option here, like you you have something going on in your life. You want us to pray for it on the back or or, or just let us know what's up. If you want to give your life to Christ and have someone follow up with you, we'd love to to do that. We want to give you a brand new Bible and some material that we think will help you get started in your relationship with Christ and, and as you grow together. So let's just reflect on these words as Brad sings over us.
1: Giving you my heart and all that is within. Laying it all down for the sake of you, my king. I'm giving you my dreams, I'm laying down my rights. Giving up my pride for the promise of new life. Of Your name to know the lasting joy, of even sharing in Your pain, and I surrender all to You, all to You, and I surrender.